Well, good morning. My name is Michael Fay. I'm the missions pastor here at McDowell Mountain Community Church, and I'm so thankful that you're here this morning, and I'm so excited about uh, what God has placed on my heart to share. We are in this series, and we're ending it today, called God Still Speaks. And this series was kind of born out of this question that I think we, get, we ask a lot as followers of Jesus. We ask the question, why doesn't God speak to us today like he used to to people in Bible times? Like, why doesn't God speak to us in the form of a burning bush like he did to Moses? Why doesn't that thing, those types of things happen today? And this series has been a response to that question because we as a church believe that God does still speak and does so in a variety of different ways. And over the past four weeks, you've heard from a bunch of different leaders in our church. The series opened with our community life pastor, Jeff Mugford, sharing from uh, the book of Philippians. And then we heard from our communications director, uh, Nate Sullivan, as she shared about freedom and how God wants to speak freedom into your life and how God had spoke freedom into his life. And then two weeks ago, you heard from one of the most incredible women in the history of the planet, (laughs) my wife, Christy, who shared about how God wants to speak this message of being reclaimed, that your life can be reclaimed by God for something of purpose and meaning. And then last week, we got to hear from our lead pastor, Mark Krenz, as he shared about how God had spoke into his life vision and direction and how God wants to do the same in your life as well. And so I'm excited to share with you about what God has laid on my heart and what I believe God uh, is speaking into all of us and has been speaking into all of us from the time uh, we were born. And so I'm excited to share that with you today. But before we dive in, I want to tell you a story. Uh, Years ago, uh, the great Swiss-German theologian, Karl Barth, was giving one of his last lectures at the University of Chicago's Divinity School. And he gave this long lecture, and he had been battling illness, and so he was tired, and and he gave this lecture, and he sat down, and the students kind of rewarded him with this great standing ovation. And they applauded him and were so thankful for the words that he shared. And the professor that was hosting the event at the University of Chicago stood up and he said to the students, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, Dr. Bart has been ill and um, he's he's a little bit older and we don't want to kind of uh, overwhelm him with questions, so we won't be having an open mic forum for you to ask a bunch of questions. And he said, but what I'd like to do is, and if Dr. Dr. Bart is, is open to this, I'd like to ask a question on behalf of all of the students here in this room. Would you be open to that? And Dr. Bart said, yes, I would. And so the professor said, on behalf of all the students, I'd like to ask you, of all the theological insights that you have come to understand over all the years of your study and teaching and being a professor and a pastor, of of all of those insights you've come to, what is the most incredible insight that you've come to understand about God? And that's a remarkable question to ask because uh, Karl Barth has written tens of thousands of pages on the topic of theology. He's written hundreds of books. If you had some sort of theological question, chances are Karl Barth had written something about that. And so to ask him what is the one, the most important, might be a difficult thing to do. So Dr. Barth is sitting in this chair, and he closed his eyes, and he leaned back, and he began to think. And all the students were waiting in silence. What was this going to be? They had their pens and their paper ready to take notes. What is the most important theological insight from Dr. Karl Barth? Closed his eyes, then he opened them, and a smile came across his face. And he said, the most important theological insight that I have come to understand in my life is this. 
Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Such a simple statement, and yet incredibly profound. Something that we teach to our children in Sunday school to sing this little song. And yet at the same time, it is the cornerstone of our faith. This understanding that we believe in a God who loves us. And that that's what the story of Scripture is trying to tell us. Such a simple idea, and yet so profound. This morning, I want to share with you about God's desire to speak love into our lives and how he's been doing so since the beginning of time. If you have your Bibles, I'd ask you to turn to the book of John chapter 1. But before we jump into that, I I want to pray and just uh, invite God to speak to us this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you so much um, when we come here and open your word. I pray this morning that you Uh, would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear your truth, Um, that this scripture would speak to us, that you would open our hearts to truths that we did not know. God, thank you for this morning, and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, since the beginning of time, there has been a question that I believe humans have been wrestling with, and it's a question that I believe is at the core of the human condition, what it means to be human. And I believe it started at the very beginning. The beginning of time, God creates Adam and Eve, and he places them in this garden. And he says, this whole garden is for you, except that one tree over there. It's a tree called the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that one tree. And we all know the story that Adam and Eve eventually eat from the tree. And when they eat from the tree, they immediately have this feeling of shame. And they want to go run and hide. And they go hide because they feel inadequate. They feel incomplete. They feel unworthy. They feel shame. And so they go and hide. And I believe that that action set off a chain of events that every human now has this this question that they wrestle with that comes from this feeling of inadequacy. And here's the question. Am I worthy of love? I believe if we're all honest, this question is at the deepest core of who we are. Am I worthy of love? of love. And I believe ever since that moment that the story of the Bible is God's pursuit of communicating to us that we are in fact worthy of love. And the Bible is his story of his efforts to restore that broken relationship and restore his creation. When we look at Abraham, God comes to him in chapter 12 and says, in Genesis chapter 12, I want to bless you I want to bless your descendants. I want to make your name great. Why? Because at the core of who God is, is this God of love who wants to bless. And so he speaks this word to Abraham. In the book of Exodus, we see God wanting to rescue the Israelites when they're in slavery and when they're hurting. He wants to be their hero, their refuge, because he's a God of love. And then later, when they're a nation, God wants to lead them. He wants to teach them the best ways to live. He wants to be their king, because at the core of who God is, is love. But we can't understand the fullness of God's love until we get to the New Testament. And we see this new thing that God is doing. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 1. The, the, the gospel uh, of John it was written by John. That's not a trick question. And John was a disciple of Jesus. And the gospel of John is his account of what he saw as a disciple of John. 
And he begins his gospel account with this kind of poetic, interesting verse. And it starts like this in chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's kind of an interesting line. In the beginning was the Word. So if we take that first part of the verse, in the beginning was the Word. So at the beginning of time, there was this Word. What is a word? A word is something that is uh, written or spoken, but its sole purpose is to communicate something to someone else. So in the beginning, there was this word that, that was to be communicated from, from someone, else, someone to someone else. It's a, it's a message, something that to be communicated. Let's continue with the verse. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. So now we understand that this word, this message that's to be communicated is actually God's message, God's word to be communicated. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Well, now we know that this this word, that, that is God's word, God's message to share, is actually somehow part of who God is. Then we have verse 2, which adds a whole other spin on it. This word, he, was with God in the beginning. So now we find that this word, that is God's word, God's message to give, is part of himself and actually is a person. He was with God in the beginning. That's interesting. Verse 14, if we go down, it says this, the word, this word, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. What, what is John talking about? What is this word? Well, as we just said, John's gospel account is all about telling us about the man we call Jesus. And what we see is that this word that God has wanted to speak since the beginning of time over his creation is now no longer just a word, but is taking shape and putting on flesh and blood and bone and skin and comes in the form of a human that is also God, that we call Jesus. And that this this word that has become flesh in Jesus is the display of God's love to the fullest extent. That the message of love God has wanted to speak over all creation is finally now taking shape, this new form, and coming into our world to reveal how much God actually loves us. If you were to keep turning in your Bible, you'd find some other documents that the same disciple John wrote. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, we have the, 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 the piece of text called 1 John. It's a letter that John wrote. And what we find in this letter is all John wants to talk about over and over and over is love. He wants to talk about love. Maybe because his nickname was the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's how he understood God was this idea of love. And so 1 John chapter 4, he says this, verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. As John wrote in in John chapter 3, and perhaps one of the most widely known verses in all of the Bible that you often see people holding up signs at sporting events, John 3.16, it says, for God so loved the world that he sent his son. Jesus, 
is the display of God's love to the fullest extent. It's the love he's been wanting to speak over creation for all time now in a tangible form that we can see who is God. He is this this man named Jesus. Everything about his love is contained right there. But what John wants us to understand is this love that we understand God giving to us should not stop there, should just not, shouldn't be just us holding on to this love and basking in this love, but that we are called to then put this love into action. Look what he says as we continue in chapter 4, verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. When we love other people, we make God visible for others to see. People will know God by how well we love one another. It's interesting that God would give us that much responsibility, that the world would know his love by how we love other people. That puts a lot of importance on how well we as followers of Jesus love each other and love other people. We um, had a funeral at our uh, church this, this past week for a family that we dearly, dearly love. And um, one of the daughters shared about her relationship with her father. And one of the things she said to me, I thought was one of the most beautiful things I have heard that speaks directly to this. She said, my relationship with my father and the way he treated me made it easy for me to understand a loving God. That's the importance of love because how you love other people reveals our loving heavenly father. It's why love is so important. Two weeks ago uh, today, I had the privilege of taking a group of 22 other individuals from our church to the Dominican Republic, to a small village called Hoyo Escuro. And Hoyo Escuro is um, a neighboring village to Sierra Prieta, a community that we've been in relationship with for the past seven years. And we do this mission trip um, uh, with Food for the Hungry, this amazing organization that works in third world countries all around the world. And uh, we go into this community and we come alongside them and serve them in ways that they have designated that they need help from us. And through this experience, we've got to know this young man named Carlos. And Carlos works for the Food for the Hungry and he's our trip liaison. So he kind of goes between our team and the communities. And he's with us the whole week. And um, me and Carlos have become pretty good friends. And what I love this trip, Carlos said something to me that really stuck out to me. Um, We begin the week with a little welcome ceremony. We get there, and the community welcomes us, and they do kind of these different songs and dances, and then people get up and speak from the community and say, thanks for being here, and then we have a chance to get up and talk. And so I I have the um, privilege of getting up and sharing, and, and one thing I always share with them is that the reason we are here in their village is because of Jesus. We have come because of the love that Jesus has shown us. And so Carlos said, you know, I love when you share that because um, it makes the people think. And he said, I want you to think about it from their perspective. This 
bus that has curtains on the windows, hilarious, little frilly curtains, shows up in this obscure little village called Hoyo Oscuro, which means black hole. That's what the village means. The reason why it means black hole is because back in the day when this community was founded, people from the, from the capital, if they didn't want certain people, they would send them out into the mountains, into these little villages. And so black hole, in a sense, was the leftovers, the people that didn't matter, that main society and the capital didn't want. And so this is how that village identifies themselves, as worthless. Nobody cares about us. So when this bus full of Americanos shows up, they're like, what? Why, why are all these Americans here in, in our village, our, our black hole, our Hoyo Oscuro? And he says, you come and you, you say that you've come in the name of Jesus. And then that, they find that, what, what does that mean? Why are they here? He says, and then during the week, you come alongside them and you help them build their community center. And then some of your team goes and does a vision clinic where you help uh, some of the men and women get fitted with glasses so they can see clearly. And then they watch some of your teenagers and some of your adults play with their children and, and teach them about the Bible and do the limbo and hula hoops and jump ropes and play baseball. They watch you love on their kids. And then they sit next to you at a table and they share a meal with you and they talk with you and they share life and relationship with you. And all of a sudden, the love that you talk about of Jesus becomes real and visible for them to see. As Carlos said, that's why we do these trips. Because the way that you love them communicates to them the love of your heavenly Father. That's why we do these trips. That's why love is so important. Because God will be known by how well we love other people. We have a video that we're going to show you here shortly. And a little bit of, of our experience in this trip. The last thing I want to leave you with is this. Without love, miracles cannot happen. And here's what I mean. I believe on this Dominican trip, I had the privilege of seeing a miracle take place. We had uh, an, an older lady come to our vision clinic who was in her mid-80s. And she had expressed that she had trouble seeing things that were close to her face. And that looking at the people that were around her, uh, she could barely make out kind of their features and how she would love to see things more clearly. And so uh, our team began doing a kind of the vision exam that we do, and they found out that she, in fact, had a significant issue with her eyes. She needed some reading glasses. Now, how many of you in here wear reading glasses? And I know that might make you feel like you're showing your age, but let's be honest. Come on. How many of you wear reading glasses? Now, I'm willing to bet that most of you who wear reading glasses, that your magnification is between a positive 1.0 and a positive 2.5. Now, what we know about eyes is that they get progressively worse the older we get. And perhaps some of you have noticed this. You bought a 1.0 and now you go to Walgreens and you're getting the 1.75 because your eyes are getting a little worse, right? So this woman comes in who is in her 80s and I'm thinking to myself, she hasn't had reading glasses ever. And perhaps her eyes began kind of degrading around the age of 40 and she's in her mid-80s. Perhaps she hasn't been able to see clearly for 40 plus years. Sure enough, we do the test, and it's revealed she needs a plus 4.0 reading glasses. 
So someone on our team runs over to the table and gets these thick Coke bottle glasses and brings them over to her. She puts them on her face. And her reaction, I can see, I can see your face. And she's laughing and we're laughing and I'm crying and we're giggling and like cheering and more crying for me. And it was unbelievable to be in that, like in that moment, I would tell you it was this holy, sacred, miracle moment. Now some of you are thinking, Michael, no, that's just science. Like her focal, the focal point, you could get out a chart and draw like the focal point, like it was too far back, so you put these corrective lenses on and now it focuses the right way and she can see clearly, that's all it was. Mm -mm. Highly disagree with you. This moment would not have been possible if it wasn't for the 22 individuals from our church who made sacrifices to go on this trip, some of which had to do fundraisers. One lady, she, she bakes food and does catering. She baked like 100 pies and, and, and sold them to raise money so that she could take her kids with her on this trip. People who had to sacrifice um, time away from work, vacation time. Uh, they, they sacrificed uh, time at certain obligations. They had to come to trainings to do vision clinic training so they could learn how to do the eyeglass fittings and, and so forth and so on. They took all this time to travel to this other country so they could be there to make this moment happen. And it also wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for people just like you, people who went out to Costco, Walmart, or the dollar store and bought these reading glasses and came and dropped them off in bins that we then took to the Dominican and put on these people who needed glasses. Without your actions of love, this would have never happened. This miracle would have never taken place. And I feel confident that I could continue to go back and to say that your decision to go buy the glasses and the decision for these people to decide to go on the trip, all of those loving actions find their origin in the fact that God first loved us by sending his son, Jesus. And it's because of that love that we are prompted to love other people. And so without that love, these miracles, yes, a miracle wouldn't have happened. I want to invite you to turn your attention to the screen uh, to watch a little bit of that story.
Era para yo te puedo Ay, sí, clarísima That miracle is because of people like you, because you chose to love. May you know this morning how much God loves you, that he sent his one and only son into the world so that you may live through him. But may you also know that God gave you that love and he wants you to take it and share it with the rest of the world so that the rest of the world may know him by your love. Go in his grace and in his peace and in his love. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you here next Sunday.